welcome to episode 82 of the Draft Lab Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Phillips, aka J2S Josh, and I'm once again not joined by all-time 17 Lance Draft leader Chris Palmiotti, aka Floridamon. He's currently busy writing a pterodactyl on a quest to rescue baby gators from someone named Alligator Andy. Whatever he does is on him, I don't even ask questions anymore. Instead, I brought on fellow Draft Lab member DeFore to discuss getting aggressive with Red and Mom. Hello, hello. How's it going today, DeFore? Oh, I'm doing all right. A little bit tired from sleeping, basically, or not doing anything the whole day, but <laughs> that's how it is sometimes. That sounds nice. I don't know what taking a break or anything like that feels like. One of these days, I'll try. <laughs> I'm even doing constructed content now, too. It's getting You're crazy. a constructed gamer now. Yeah. What format are you playing? I had to do a historic brawl one, a historic artisan, all kinds of stuff. Available on mtgazone.com. <laughs> We're going to be cutting back on the segments a little bit to conserve time. I have a ton of stuff going on in real life and in content creation, so I want to be able to actually get these edited out to you because sometimes we record one and then I'm like, oh, I can't possibly spend the hours required to make this listenable. So we're going to kind of cut back a little bit for now until my schedule lightens up. But let's jump right into the meat of the subject. DeForest said this in Discord a million times and on this podcast before, so it was appropriate to bring him on to talk about it, especially since he's the main person been pushing aggro, tempo, etc., mom decks, literally since early access. But every set, people say red is terrible, red is bad, and it ends up underdrafted to the point that it's not bad. And as they say, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth, and red just comes out swinging. It took a little longer than normal to reach this point because blue is indeed really good. But even if you're going into that, red's still a great fallback to supplement it. So what are your favorite things to do with red in this format? I think red just needed a little bit for the people to catch up on the synergy. But I think like it's often like that because you need to figure out what cards match up. In an aggro curve, you just need the better matched cards against the field. And one of the cards that I think has really changed the perspective on red, because I thought it was terrible at the beginning, like uh, really, is the Marauding Dreadship. That card unlocks most of the archetypes and red archetypes or color pairs. It just has so many little synergies and does so much on a surface. It's a two for one, right? Which is by default, just really good against blue-black is still considered the best color pair at least week one. And especially against like black removal, you really want cheap two for ones. Yeah, and a lot of the problem was that the blue decks were really overpowered early because only the better players were drafting them correctly. One of the things is everyone's talking about how this set is really powerful. But when you get into the commons, it's like the top 20 to 25% of the commons are really good. And then the rest, you're back down to normal stuff. So when people are properly fighting over blue, you're not having to play against people that have three printing champions and three dispersals and multiple rares. Early on, that was the problem. What are you going to do with little aggressive deck against somebody who has all that? Yeah, and there's a thing, like, the meta has really completely shifted, right? Like, I think that's always, like, the case for any format. There is always going to be like, a color pair or just a color that's completely underdrafted, but then it's not enough to just know that info. I think you still need to know what to do with that color, right? So you need to figure it out. And I think in this format, you can synergize with red. It's not like you should dismiss it. I think it's actually really good once you figure out what to do with it. And like right now, you're at a spot where it's so easy to pick up the signal. You see like, I don't know, one of the three or four commons that you want to take, like either the dreadship, the spite, the discard common is not that bad, the 2-1 scrodger, right? It even combos with Dreadship. You can just sit there and loot away. 
Yeah, exactly. And with a Conwalk, right? Like red has Conwalk, blue has Conwalk, uh, even black has some Conwalk. And then the big one is also two tokens, reinforcements. So if you see those late, especially something like Spite goes like criminally late, like, I don't know, pick five. That's your turning point. Like, it's so easy, right? From that point, nobody is in red. Maybe one drafter, but that's even that's unlikely, usually. And then you just know you're gonna, if you see like a Spite late, or even like some uncommon, like Stoke the Flames or something, you can just card pivot. If those cards are not there, you can also move away. It's not that bad. Like, it's so easy to navigate the draft. I think when stuff like that happens, when a color is so disrespected or not drafted. Plus, in 90% of the draft right now, at least this week, I think you're going to end up red. Nobody will draft red or maybe one other drafter will be in red. And that's enough, I think. One of the big comparisons is this set to Neon Dynasty. And I think that's actually a good look at how red was in that set, how everybody as we were saying, just start off going, it's terrible. And then you could just force mono red or red X in there. And you would just end up getting under all the people trying to do all the crazy things. In this format is a little bit different because you still don't get that powerful of a red deck. In Neon Dynasty, you got actual mono red, right? Like that was the best red deck. You just wanted to go like mono one drop, mono red. But I think here you still, in my experience, you need another color. Red is not deep enough to just be mono, in my opinion. But what I mean by that is that when you're navigating the draft, pick four or five, it's just staring you in the face, telling you whether you should be in that color or not. Yeah, exactly. That is similar. Yeah. Plus, like also how other archetypes are, you have five color good stuff or four color good stuff, like in the Neon Dynasty, then you have like a similar black, white mid range deck, right? It's just kind of like a value deck, like similar to blue, black. And then you had the aggro pile, which is either in Neon, it was ninjas. And mono red, and here you have blue red and blue white, right? So it's actually like really similar in terms of how the archetypes pair against each other. You're saying you haven't pulled off any mono red ones yet? No, but interesting enough, I had a really good mono white deck, just low to the ground curve, but that deck had, I think, three or four Inquisitors. (laughs) (laughs) That was going to be good anyway. Even if I paired it with something, the Inquisitors carry off because it's like two drop that has four power potentially. And then it stacks on top of each other and gets crazy. Yeah, even enables all the other synergies and stuff. Which combination do you prefer? I had the most success and that's what I usually want to do, like blue-red. Because when red is open, then sometimes you don't really figure out what is the other color you go with. Often I just pick like a few dispersals, like a preening champion or something. Or even the uncommons in blue are all really, really good. Especially when you're aggressive, you can also play cards like Slumber, right? Which is not necessarily that great in blue-black. And for instance, cleansing gets way better in an aggro deck because you flood the board earlier. It's more often a free spell. I think it naturally just fires really well with red. And then you have the insane synergies. That's really important, I think, in blue-red. And that's why I like it the most. I'm actively looking for the combos, and there's so many of them. Like Tetsuko and Dreadship is bomb power level. 4-1 unblockable, right? Hasting in. It's pretty crazy. Plus, it attacks the sieges really well in this format. Like Tetsuko in general, in most color pairs, maybe it's the worst with black. But for instance, Tetsuko with blue-white, the 3-1 knights get unblockable. With green, the 3-1 gets unblockable, the 2-drop. With red, obviously, like the Scrodger, the Dreadship. And even the tokens from printing champions, for instance, in blue, are unblockable. So Tetsuko in this format is just really, really good. But then when you pair it with something like a dread chip, it gets pretty out of hand quick. Another card in blue-red that I'm really looking to pick. You just want to pick it high because you don't want to gamble on that card not getting back. Because it's so important. It's Invasion of Kaladesh, which I think so many people think it's like actually a bad card. That card, when you go Invasion... 
into dreadship, it's crazy good because like you're gonna get like a four four or a five four, like if you have some other artifacts flyer on a vehicle, which is really easy to then navigate the game so it dodges opponents' removal. But even if you attack into dispersal, sometimes you still get another artifact and then eventually it still flips and the flyer is bigger, right? Or you don't need to attack in something like Derision, right? Sometimes when they have four man up, that one is a common scenario where it comes up. But I think Invasion of Kaladesh is just like you're looking for these three cards together in blue, right? So Invasion of Kaladesh, Tetsuko, and Dread Chips. And you would play like two, three Dead Chips is where I want to be. I don't want to really play the fourth one, for instance. I wouldn't just take every Dread Chip because then you get into a scenario where basically you, you don't have the mana, right, to get Incubator Token or get a creature down. You're just having too many vehicles sometimes. As you're saying about the invasion of Kaladesh, it's also important to note that that is legendary on the back. I had to tell Eagle that the other day when he had like four of them in his deck. <laughs> I would want to play more, but I actually don't remember a deck that had two. Maybe on early access I had two, and, and I learned that the hard way, <laughs> the legendary <laughs> part. <laughs> you flipped it over, you're like, why do I have to choose? What are you talking about? <laughs> I have another sweet combo. This one is not necessarily only for blue-red, but it usually works the best in blue-red is the hexproof creature, Cryptomancer, right? And then you put the flying aura on it because it has hexproof and some like, backup counters. It's like a niche combo, but it works really well. If I have a few Cryptomancers, which you kind of want anyhow to protect stuff like Tetsuko, then if you pick up the wingspan or what's the aura? Astro wingspan? Yeah, Cryptomancer is often like, a good target for this aura, especially if you have multiples. And how about... Hacky Scrap Chomper. Yeah, that's the one drop, right? The... Yeah, I like that in blue-red, as long as you're playing Convoke stuff. And it's also fine in red-black. One of the reasons where I run it, I don't think it's like good like card in general. I think it just serves the purposes of, like you said, Convoke. I will put it in a lot of the decks. I would maybe want other one drops, but if you don't get other one drops, this one is serviceable because it's so important, especially if you have Invasion and Dreadship, Invasion of Kaladesh, to go one drop... Invasion of Kaladesh, and you can already beat the invasion down with the Dreadship on turn 3, right? Because otherwise you cannot do that because Dreadship is screw 2, right? That's one of the scenarios. But actually, a way better card for me in Blue-Red is Omen Hawker. Because that one just screws your token from the Dreadships. Plus it enables other stuff. For instance, a cute one is pumping the 2-drop 1-2 that you can pump, and when it dies, becomes an incubator. The Gremlin? Gremlin, yeah. Especially in these colors, you have a lot of ways to dump the mana from Omen Hawker in. Omen Hawker is one of those weird cards that sometimes your opponent plays at turn one and you're just like, well, I'm screwed. Terrifying to see it over there on turn one because you're like, how far ahead are they about to pull? Even small things you're not thinking about. So they played Eyes of Gataxias, but it's already flipped. Eyes of Gataxias is another card I wanted to mention. It gets, I think the card is actually underperforming, at least for me in a deck like that. I think it's way better when you have like a lot of removal and then you just need a value card. Like in blue, black, it works better. I would almost always play a dread ship over ice. Ice in blue, red, and an aggro decks is way worse. Also in blue, white, I don't like ice at all. Like I think it's just like garbage there. But I will play it if I have Omen Hawkers. Like if I pick up multiple Omen Hawkers, I actually like the card a lot. But Omen Hawker is an uncommon, so it's really hard to just speculate on it too much, I think. You can't just assume you're going to get them. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you randomly get like two, but I'm not usually going high on the Omen Hawker because I want one usually. That's it. Like in most decks, I just want one. Yeah. I mean, you're saying the Scrap Chomper, which is just Phyrexian Ghibli if you look at the picture. But it's just one of those cards that you get pick 10, pick 11, but you actually have a place for it in your deck. 
Yeah, I mean, the card is completely serviceable. I can't, I'm trying to think of other one drops, but at common, you really don't have anything in red, right? Also in blue, if you get lucky, you get weird, which is the one tree that flips, but that's an uncommon, right? That one is like by far the best one drop. Some people were debating between weird, when I drafted on stream, between weird and printing Chapin, and I don't think it's even close in a deck like that, because you really profit so much from starting from one, just having that extra Konwo creature or a creature to crew the dreadship. I would always take weird over printing champion. In some decks I would want, like especially when you have like two Tetsuko, I would just take dreadships over printing champions. That's actually an interesting one because I know you had brought that up before. And even when I'm hard committed, it would be hard for me to take the dreadship over the printing champion because in your head you're like, I can't get champion pass pick three, but I can usually get dreadship pick seven. That's really depends on where in the draft are you, right? Because like, if you already have a deck, you don't need that printing champion pass, right? If you have enough three drops, you'll just care about getting the right three drops. If you're still early, I would not take the dreadship over a printing champion because nobody takes the dreadship. I mean, nobody. Like, they often will. <laughs> That's the thing. Also, like we were debating, right? I asked that question. Would you ever take spite over dreadship? Because it felt like in some decks I want the dreadship over spite. But the thing is, you still never do that, really, because I think you responded with that. Because, like, Dreadship is going to wheel if, like, you take the sprite, just also not to send the signal, right? Anybody playing red or even splashing red is like, oh, I could take Spite, right? Yeah. Value card, it's a removal spell. It's great. But most red decks are going to look at Dreadship and be like, eh. Yeah. The thing is, when red is not open, you also need to move away from it. It's only possible when you recognize the signal. I think when it's not there, it's not deep enough to just service more draft in the pot to get those decks. It's going to get complicated if people pick up. Luckily, arena drafters are kind of stubborn on that. If you're drafting blue-black and you're like, oh, somebody's taking blue-black two spots away from me, you're still going to be fine. Yeah. Between one of the packs, you're not having them pass to you and just the quality of it, you'll be fine. But if the person next to you is taking red, you should not be in red anywhere near it. And this is why I... For similar reasons, I often end up in blue, just because even if it's not open, you're going to get some stuff, right? <laughs> and then you take the other red part. So what other cards do you prioritize? Specifically in blue, red, or do we want to call it other? Red, white, red, etc. It gets a little bit tricky, right? Because if you get red, white, the dread chip is actually not as good. You can still play some, but in red, white, I think you really want to get done commons. It's either, like, both of them are good. The equipment one is actually, I don't know if people know how good that card is. That card is insane. Bonkers. Yeah. You just need kite sail or something. That one to stick. The synergies are way more obvious in red-white, right? If you get the backup guy, just need backup stuff. And if you get the equipment, you would need like two or three equipments in the deck. That's where you want to be. I like to prioritize all the protection spells a little bit higher. So even the one mana protection spell gets pretty good there. Depends how many of these payoffs you have, the multicolored ones. I actually like sometimes the one mana one over the intervention, just because it's so much easier to protect those creatures, right? And you get the occasional blowout. Oh yeah, against the right decks, yeah, obviously, yeah, that's insane. Red-white has been really good for me, I just don't often end up drafting it, because I think it relies really on these uncommons. Basically just about either backup or the equipment, or both, depends which one you get. So you really need to recognize when that is open. And don't take a red-white battle, ever. That card is awful. I actually had success flashing it with two Tetsukus in blue-red. <laughs> but it's not a red-white. Like, it's terrible in red-white because you just don't have good flyers there. Like, you're usually attacking on the ground. If you had, like, some random flyers, I think it would be fine, maybe. But, like, none of them are cheap. 
One card, by the way, I'm really high on, but it also, you can speculate on it wheeling, is Barrage. The one damage or five to white or blue creature. I'll play up to two because it has enough targets outside of blue-white. It kills the 1-1 Death Toucher in black, the 3-1 in green, and the Tracker, which is huge. Tracker has been insanely bad for me. Like, I just don't want to touch green, actually, because the commons are so terrible. Tracker just dies to so many random things in the format, just for basically value. Green enables playing crazy stuff. Yeah, that is true. But you are really dependent on rares. Like, like luckily, there's enough rares, I guess. But at this point, I just want to kind of avoid green, honestly. I think it's also because it's super overdrafted. There's just people that go into drafts that will just immediately take the three mana ramp spell and the trackers and stuff and then just splash everything. So you're just like default not getting the commons. So that's a little bit of a problem. Plus, I actually think most of the commons are just bad in green. Pest is good. Cosmic Hunger is good. Pest was really good at the beginning. The meta is shifting towards basically blue-white maybe being the best deck, actually. Maybe it's because blue-black gets overdrafted a little bit and the people don't get the insane blue-black decks. But I think, like, right now, I'm more afraid of losing to blue-white than blue-black. It's so bad to play just three mana tutu against blue-white. You're just kind of dead. Against blue-white, like, what I said about that back on my draft guide a few weeks ago was that it's not really even an aggro deck. It's just the only deck that has synergy. It's the only thing in the format that's just built as a synergy deck. So you get all the cards that are good in that deck without being affected by other people drafting them, really. Yeah, blue-white is really good, I think. But people know that. I think I'm facing mostly blue-white decks. Like, most of my opponents are on blue-white or, like, some five-color piles. (laughs) I see a lot of that. Do you think that playing the red aggro decks is sustainable once everyone else catches back up on the meta? I don't want to be doing that when everybody's doing that, but I don't think that will really happen to that extent. Same as it never happened in Kamigawa, in Neon Dynasty. Red was still open until the end of the format to a decent extent. How the content creation cycle works really affects that too, because everybody gets their initial impressions, right? And then within a week, everybody's updated that, and a week after that, everybody's updated that. But then after that, once it's actually figured out and people know what's going on, the casual gamers and all that aren't paying attention to content as much. So they're never going to get the update and they just stick with whatever was good at the beginning. I agree. I don't think red is deep enough to support too many drafters. If every color was evenly spread, I would rather just be on the blue train. (laughs) It's always great to have you come on. You're very well known for being out there and having hot takes, but being successful with them. One of the cards I wanted to ask you about is Halo Hopper. I was a little bit wrong on that. (laughs) My take was a little bit off. Although I occasionally actually still play few and I had some insane decks where Hop is still now. I will pick it, but what it requires is a lot of one drop. It's it's as simple as that. I was thinking you can just get few two mana make two tokens, right? I was thinking you can just pick up those and then like multiple hoppers. But the thing is you'll just run out of gas and your creatures will be underpowered. So I think you really need one drops for the hoppers to work. Plus, you want to combine them with some invasion of Kaladesh or some artifact synergy or a ways to maybe pump them a little bit because, like, two toughness is really bad. All right. We now know about the wonderful world of hopping. Like I said, we're trying to keep it a little bit shorter, but I'd like to thank you for coming on. Do you have anything you want to plug, anything you want to add, etc.? Not really. Just draft red. Or don't draft it so I can draft it for a while <laughs> until I get bored of it. I don't know. To be honest, this format, it's really hard to find synergy in this format. There is synergy, 
but like the good stuff outvalues synergy like the archetype structure and stuff like that it's not that important in march of the machines i think and so like i'm kind of excited now that i think i figured out like a little bit of a synergistic deck that brings us to our cool play of the week gold 100 pulled the classic thank you for killing my hidetsku and Kyrie because i have reached multiverse on top of my deck so you nug them for seven and play that breach for free now that that's cool Come check out our totally free Discord where you can get deck tax, pick advice, check out trophy decks, success limit, or, you know, just chill. You can find the Draft Lab on Twitch at, not me, because I'm probably not going to stream, Flirtabun, Eagle TV, to Jordan and Defour. Don't forget to check out mtgazone.com for awesome strategy articles by the Draft Lab, and by that I mean mostly me. Unless you want to write an article anytime soon. Yeah, you can. I did write some. Yeah, we'll teach you back on there. Make some extra bucks. It's way harder for me. Like, I spend way too much time writing, like, figuring out the dictionary <laughs> and stuff when I write in English. Well, that's 82 episodes in, and you would think I'd eventually run out of things to say here. 